Good afternoon, everyone. BC here again, and I hope you're having a very spectacular afternoon. And hope things are well. Let's see. On Instagram, I have a poor connection. So let's see if we can reconnect. I'm going to end this. I'm going to disable my... Let's see here. I'm going to disable my Wi-Fi. Uh, let's turn this off. And hopefully I can get a better connection this time. Let's see. So bear with me, all of you on YouTube. I'm going to reset everything here. Here we go. Let's try this again. I am live. Here we go. Good afternoon, everyone. BC here. And uh, for those of you on YouTube, thank you for so much for joining me. My sincere apologies for how untidy the back of the shop is. We are near SEMA, it's almost SEMA time, and it's, it's a bit of a zoo. Oh, I have some really cool stuff here, by the way. Hello, C. Perez. Hello, Kappa Timmy. Hello, Snake Force. Oh, let me show you guys something I have that's really cool. So over here, I just received this recently. I picked this up late last night, all the way from East LA. So, this, hello, everyone. Hi, Arnie SoCal. Good seeing you, brother. L Black, New Jersey. Hello. T-Bros, good seeing you. Torque, hello. What's up, Nile Mystery? Good seeing you as well. Alfie, good afternoon. AJ from across the pond. Hello, Sosa. TJ Celtics. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much for joining me on this crazy week before SEMA. Absolutely bananas, bananas week. I shouldn't even be here with you guys because I have so much to do in so little time. And the team is going crazy. Thank you, Dip and Deep, that's so kind of you. Good day, Evelson. What's up, Alex Mark 5? Yes, Arnie, I was out there in Pasadena for a brief while. I had to get there before I, uh, you know, came back here to work. I was here every day pretty much for the past few weeks. Hello. I know, I'm four minutes tardy. It's a bit crazy. I was picking up parts for the SEMA projects. Um, Alfie, I started off with five, now I have two and a half, which is pretty interesting because it's just bit bananas. And honestly, guys, I mean it. I shouldn't be here with you guys today. Um, sporting my old vintage Beast Motor shirt. I love Twin Cam shirt. And um, yes, um, fly your... Oh, Neela, I wish I could. I just don't have the resources at this late hour. Hello, SB who has been helping me so much with projects. Thank you so much. Hello, Dumb One Point. I know, less is more. Yeah, action, I have action here. Let's check out what they provided me last night. This is really for the wagon. So the wagon build is coming along, but last night I picked up the clutch, which is pretty exciting. I know, I know, I'm really crazy, Mark 5. Alex, you are so correct. So above and beyond the bling bling stickers from my friends at Action, and they're very good instruction manuals. I love instructions. Andro, uh, my day is going very well. Very busy, very packed. I've done more up till now than most people do within two, three days. Hello, Street Racer Jones. I received your camshaft. So once you're ready, we'll take good care of you. Um, if you come to K-Row with the PC crew, um, you can roll with us. You're going to drive and roll out with us. It's fine. But it's going to be really interesting. I just don't have access to any more passes, which is sad, you know. Ah, hello, Green. Hello, Valentin. Yeah, one clutch. So, Alfie, I think it's psychic. So, I'm going to start off with this centering device. And then we're going to look at the bearing, which is pretty cool. Um, the Odyssey is right there. See, it's just sitting there, hood open, because I love showing it off. It's just chilling there. Um, the Viper is there. The Mercedes for next year is there. The blue Porsche is there. It's just sitting here, you know. Hello, Duran. Where are you? I need you here. <laughs> I know, right, TT? I don't even play the lottery at all, and if I did, oh, I would build some crazy stuff, but I don't even play, so I won't win, because I didn't play. I don't play, you know? Hello, Fox, good seeing you. Hello, Hunter. Um, Alfie, so, look at this, check this out. It's pretty lightweight. It is a twin disc for the Wagon Man. Aluminum, too. Very thin, very lightweight. I love it, look at this. African style, carrying on my head. So it's pretty cool, you know? Thank you so much, Nila. I know. It's going to be, I need all the luck I can. So, actually, they came, oh my God, this is going to hook some good power. And you can see the diaphragm here, very nice. So, I shouldn't have crazy pedal pressure, but I should have the surface area to allow me to have very good adhesion, very good clamping force for my engine, you know? Thank you so much, Joseph. And this car that the clutch is going into is my, how should I say it? 
it is my revenge car for the Odyssey. The Odyssey back there makes a thousand horses, really powerful, but doesn't have traction. I'm gonna solve it with this car. It's gonna be live and nice and everything. Hello, Sam. Oh, Sam, you're gonna hate me, Sam. You're gonna hate me and love me at the same time. I need your, I need your help. I don't know, I haven't weighed it yet, so I'm gonna weigh it and I'll put a photo up of what it weighs. It's gonna be pretty cool, you know? I know, right? I'm gonna be snapping some serious axles, but luckily, my friends from Insane Shafts, who I use on my Insight, they're very good. Sam, you're, you're laughing? I'm really gonna need your help. Um, I can't even get the car to you. I need you to come here with us at night. That's how crazy it is. All hands on deck. I have limited time. The Porsche is coming back today. The wagon on Thursday. I'm so afraid. Um, I know, stage twos are really good. I've used action clutches since, wow, the early 2000s. Their stuff is nice, you know? I know, seven more days. Fox, things are coming in. Let's see. Um, you can see back there. Um, can you see right there? Let me turn, it, turn it around a little bit. That right there is the wheels. There you go. Wheels for the wagon, which is cool. That's dope, right? It's really nice. Um, yeah, Vans rule. Thank you so much. I will. I really have an, a good time, Snake Force. Thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate that. Sam, I look forward to it. It's going to be bananas. <laughs> so, guys, you see me? I look happy. I'm exuberant, I have so much energy, all that's gonna change in the next six days. I'm gonna be messed up, and Daryl's gonna be messed up, and Sam's gonna be messed up, and Aaron's gonna be messed up, and Marvin's gonna be messed up, and Ken's gonna be messed up, Heavy's gonna be, we're all gonna be messed up. It's gonna be bananas, you know? So, Eliza's asking, can I build a Super 924 or 944? Yes, I can. As a matter of fact, we had a customer with 928, but then he kind of bailed out on his project, so I never finished it. Ended up just getting rid of it. Um, come to Napa and relax after SEMA. Alfie, I may just do that. Honestly, I may just do that. I may just have to come out and relax and see what's going on, you know? So, Hunivan, I would check out. You know, I love Odysseys. To see enthusiasts like yourself, Hunivan, doing really cool things with Odysseys and Vans, it, it, really, it really has a special place in my heart. I really appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. Yes, so I love twin cams, but you know what's weird? If you see what's on the bottom, it says one is in my engine and the other's in the pits. It's actually a single cam shirt, which is pretty crazy. One of my most popular shirts from back in the day, from the early, early 2000s. And I just whipped it out to throw on today because I'm going to be doing some crazy work, which is pretty cool, you know? Is going to be a Tech Tuesday from SEMA? I need to. Now, you know what's weird? I have a, an unveiling with Hot Wheels and Momo at one. So I would do a Tech Tuesday from SEMA, from the floor. Hopefully my signal can be good, but I, it may be like a 30-minute thing, but definitely, oh, I'm all about it next week, by all means, you know? No, it's not an Ironman. This is a, the standard twin disc, and it, uses, it looks like it has, um, I haven't taken it apart, but it looks like this clutch has semi-metallic discs. So I can see from the, yeah, from the color of the discs, I don't know if you guys can see that, but it looks like they are, um, semi full face, so it has some demarcations, and with the color, it looks like it's a semi metallic matrix, like a ceramic metallic matrix, which is pretty good, you know. Um, who's Cam? A BCMO level 2.4. So you know, I have a partnership with Web, and uh, that's what we have in there, by all means. Um, hopefully, it's not too loud. So I know, so I'll try and find a good area. Um, is there a good area? Probably near Honda, that's usually quiet, or near Hyundai, or Maybe an AEM's booth. AEM's booth is very quiet as well. And the Wagon Van will be there at the AEM booth, so that may be very appropriate. Future plans with Insight DDCB7 is asking. I'm going to be running it next year. So when we come back from SEMA, one of my most important projects after this Caterham, which is right here, which is John Kravchek's Caterham, which I need to get going, is the Insight. I, I miss racing. I have to bring it out there. Many people don't even know what the single cam is capable of, so it's my goal to make, make sure that happens, you know? Um, you change your lunch schedule? Oh, thank you so much, Arnie. I really appreciate that. Hello, Sincere. That's a pretty cool screen name you have there. Um, do I have any recommendations for a quiet 996 turbo exhaust? He has a tune, but looking for a quieter exhaust. Thanks again. Wow, that's something that has to be bespoke. So most, all my 996 customers want something loud. The factory one is super restrictive, is incorporated with the restricted catalyst, Something bespoke can get you there, where you can probably incorporate something that has a, a feel like a GT3, maybe even a GT3 one, and have the valves involved. But commercially available, I have not seen a very quiet 996 turbo exhaust. It's something we can probably help you with, but it's something that we have to do in-house. 
Uh, would train charging an F20C be a good idea? <sighs> so is it in an S2000 or a different chassis? In the S2000, I love turbocharging F20Cs. A twin charging will give you the best of both worlds where you have the lack of lag that you see with turbocharger only, but also the high RPM, high boost capability and efficiency of a turbo combined with the advantages of a supercharger. The challenge in an F20C chassis, in S2000 chassis, you have some slight heat management issues with the turbochargers, with the batteries and the fuse boxes, and you have to relocate quite a bit or do some really crazy protection stuff there. Um, yes, if you have the space and the resources, it will be a freaking ridiculous project. I agree, you know? Uh, Uber Lyft, private coach guy, is what the Hunifan says, 1,200 LEDs so far. Oh, a sound system. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Very nice. Um, make a cam for the shark cart. Ricky, I don't know what a shark cart is. It sounds cool. Shark cart. I don't know what that is, you know? Uh, am I building another single cam? Yeah, my insight. I will be building another one in a few weeks. What exhaust recommend on a Turbo S957? Custom, <laughs> by all means, something bespoke. Stainless steel custom. Hello, SoCal Dotson. My opinion, Hunter's asking on a 2JZGE. So, the 2JZGE bottom end is very robust, similar to the 2JZGTE. I'm not a huge advocate of the GT, GE's intake manifold where it covers crumbs across the valve cover, but you can boost it and it has capability of being quite robust in engine. And it's also very reliable like you would see with most Toyota engines, so I do like it. Most individuals, clients that I interact with, they end up boosting their GEs and the GEs are many times more cost effective than the GTEs, so it's not a bad opportunity. I would, as I was gonna do with that GE that I had earlier, do a custom intake manifold because that intake manifold that goes across the valve cover not only is it very challenging to get access to spark plugs, it is not extremely efficient, especially for boosting. Thank you so much, is that 991? You are very kind. I appreciate the kind words, you know? Ah, so the Hoonigans made a Miata with a full cage. That's pretty cool. So I will be seeing the Hoonigans very soon. I'll be taking the, one of my Porsches there and definitely the Wago van. They are chomping at the bit to have that on the Bill Biology. So I will see them soon. Yes, I will be there, Alex. I, I really, really promise. And I'll check out their Miata and see what we can do to go crazy with that, you know? Um, why is that most Porsche trouble upgrades don't place them like you do? I don't know. I, I kind of... Uh, a creature of my own path. So Sam can attest, we talk a lot about crazy concepts and Sam is a fantastic fabricator and he does a great job at bringing my creations to life. And same thing with Marvin as well. It's just, I am a drag racer. I'm a huge advocate of adhesion, which is why the van is not a very good car for traction, but this new car I'm building will be. And to have an RR opportunity, like on the blue Porsche right there with a rear engine, rear wheel drive, to have more weight in the rear is a drag racer's dream. So that's what I did. Plus, it's a nod to the old school Porsche racing where they had the old school, um, I would say 935s. They had a very similar layout as well. But I do it purely for the efficiency and traction. That's why I like doing that, you know? So, 996 IMS bearing. I do like the stuff that um, Charles from LM does. There are also some other kits that infuse oil into the bearing as well. So those seem to be a little bit more superior, but I've used Charles stuff with success. My pleasure, Hunter, you're very kind. Oh yes, I picked up an SC300 that was manual, and unfortunately I let it go. I don't know why I sold it, but I should have kept it. It was a pretty cool car. I know, CTRX, I, you're right, you're right. Thank you, Mitchell, you're too kind. I'm trying to see what you guys are writing. So, um, Fox Designs, actually, if those are 16s, actually they're 17, 17 by, seven and a half, and they're covered, as you can see, in some R888 stickies, so I'm very proud about what Toyo's gonna provide me. Things are great, adding good. I'm going crazy, and thank you so much for your support of our wagon. I appreciate you taking the time to send me something from all across the pond, you know? So, what do I think about a naturally aspirated turbo build on an open-deck Subaru? Naturally aspirated turbo build. So I assume you mean a naturally aspirated engine where you add turbocharging to it. I have no objection. The one thing about NA setups is that most manufacturers, including Subaru, have improved port volumes on their NA setups. The camshafts are a little bit more robust, especially if you're staying with a factory camshaft, and boosting that can be something very good. I would highly suggest that you do improve the sleeve, especially with boost, and I did that on this. So that blue 911 has a 996 NA um, setup, like what you're, I think you're speaking of. It's a M96 engine. 
that of course I had to address all the shortcomings. So the one shortcoming that you'll see with the open deck is the open deck. So I would highly encourage you to sleep the block through Golden Eagle or go to CSS and be able to do something where they have that pretty cool integrated, uh, um, uh, I wouldn't want to call that a block guard, but it's a very nice integrated sleeving solution, which is a little cost effective, which is pretty nice, you know? Uh, yeah, I am bringing a Porsche by, by all means. Hello, Arkim, good seeing you. What about the Tuesday G Auto Trans? Can they? Oh, no, they don't. So the Tuesday GE, I guess it's very common that those automatics don't hold big power. Um, thank you so much, Tony V77. Tony's saying you're so kind for taking time to help others with your great knowledge. Much appreciated. Yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate um, sharing my knowledge and wishing that I had the same opportunity when I was younger, when I got into motorsports initially. So I'm here to help. I really am here to help. So by all means, anything I can do to assist, that is great. I'm not here to try and get you guys to pay for a session or do something crazy. I'm really here to give back to this country. Many of you have been very kind to me and my team, so I really appreciate that, you know? My pleasure, Tony Sevenar. He's saying, hi, BC. Thanks for responding to my comments last Tuesday that I'm awesome, but I need to know if you can point me in the right direction or give me some exact info on how to convert a front-wheel drive to rear-wheel drive. So that's pretty involved. So to do that, one thing you have to pay attention to is the tunnel. Front-wheel drive applications, especially the chassis, don't have that nice tunnel that allows you to put in a rear-wheel drive gearbox. So tank dimensions is extremely important. The cooling system is something that has to be addressed. One thing that people tend to oversee, and Sam, we talked about this quite a bit, is the steering assembly. On the front-wheel drive, most steering assemblies exist in the rear, right in the way of the tunnel where you want to put a big gearbox. So you may have to move your rack from the rear where the firewall is forward. And there are many applications within the same manufacturer, whether you're looking at Honda, Nissan, Toyota, whatever the case may be, that can allow you to move that around. Um, above and beyond that, a custom drive shaft is in, in order. You have to reinforce the rear frame to be able to allow for a nice pumpkin. Sometimes you may have interference with your tank on a front-wheel drive. So if you have an, a chassis that has dual purpose, let's say a front-wheel drive chassis that also came all-wheel drive from a manufacturer, you may have a slight tunnel that needs little massaging, and you may have a gas tank that's already set up for the application. If you don't, you may have to significantly modify your tank or get a fuel cell and move it around, you know? Um, Kevin, yes, the wagon is making the SEMA. And you know, the wagon is coming back to me tomorrow, maybe even Thursday from paint, frightening, but it's gonna be there. And Kevin, I'm gonna need your help, by the way. Um, thoughts on the Cayman engine swapped MR2? I haven't seen that. That'd be pretty cool because you know, I have a weird inkling that the MR2, especially if it's a first gen, will be much lighter than the Cayman or Boxer, which is pretty cool, you know? I haven't seen that, that sounds pretty cool. So, want to supercharge the Honey van, but trans burnt up, killing my budget then, so yeah. If, if you have an automatic, that would, it wouldn't hold. A manual would be the way to go, which is what I did on the Odyssey back there. And it's been good, I even broke the factory Odyssey, actually my, my good friend Francis did. And then the guys from HRA, Honda Racing, supplied me these straight cut gears, which are quite robust, which is in there right now, you know? Wet says, BC, I know you love some forgotten engines. Any thoughts or plans for a road rebuild? <laughs> Wet, you're so evil, so wicked. So, I don't purposely look for unloved engines. I take a different approach to building cars. I look for opportunities where they're cost effective and also have very good port volume and efficiency. So that's why I love the F-Series, the F-22A from the single cam. I love the M96, M97 engine because the ports are very nice, as my friends from SB uh, Engineering or SB Machine can attest to, and Tom from Portflow as well, and many of you who look at it. Um, the D-Series, I did that as a student because I couldn't afford anything else. I just had to stay with the D-Series. So, rotary, yes, I love the weight of the rotary. I love the fact that it has much lower parts in terms of count. Um, less rotating items, higher RPM capability, allows for a lower center of gravity. There's so many advantages I love for the rotary. I don't like the fact that they don't have many parts support today, but the fact that we're starting to develop a good relationship with Mazda, don't be surprised if you see a 13B, a 20B, a 26, something coming from us. A two, three, four rotor, don't be surprised. Don't be, and it may happen very soon, you know? Okay, so. Adam Good says that he needs my help. He's found a way to keep his Z6 logo along with his new MPV. Logo, huh. Question is, if I bought an F20C, 
how would I mount it sideways in a front-wheel drive car? So I just talked about that a little bit. Um, you can, but depending on what chassis, it can be quite invasive. If you're putting this in a Civic, it can be done, but be prepared to do a lot of fabrication around the tunnel, meaning you know where the shifter exists in the firewall? You know how it looks, how low it is on a front-wheel drive application. All that has to be cut out. You have to pretty much make a tunnel and do some, something really creative to make it still look OEM because your dash, the center console, is not made to accept something that robust, something that rotund. So it would take quite a bit of fitting to make that happen. Um, you could use a, you know what could help you? Especially if it's an EF chassis, you could get a Wago van rear end, rear cross assembly, and you can use a pumpkin from a, um, from a real-time four-wheel drive setup, and you can, it's robust enough to hold the power even if you just use it as a drive. Um, you can totally do that, but the interesting thing is that the um, gearbox you use, the yoke will have to match up, and the length has to be ideal, and you have to give some, some give for the car moving, you know, so if you know what length it is when the car slammed, you may want to get a shaft that allows you to expand a little bit more, so when you offload the rear end, you have that length that's ideal. You can do that ideally with a two-piece assembly, which you can modify one out of a CRV or wagon or something of that nature, but it can be done. It's just a lot of fabrication around the tunnel area. As long as you're willing to do that, you can make it happen. And you can use even an S2000 gearbox, which makes directly without any adapter plate, and our S2000 rear end, which is pretty nice as well. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Los Angeles Sal. Oh, I look forward to finishing it, Skinner. It's kind of scary, you know? Um, what? Oh, you ran over your own bumper. I'm sorry to hear that, Honey Van. Sorry about that. Um, yes, I'm running big breaks. So, let's see. Um, I will show you. Do I have it back here? I'm going to show you the brake that I have that I'm running on the Wago Van. It is So this is the brake. As you can see, I'm doing a five-lug conversion. So that's the brake that I'm going to run on the on the on the wagon van. It's pretty big. It's going to make a lot of power, so it needs to stop. So it's pretty big and heavy. <laughs> oh yes. Hello, Daryl. Good seeing you. Thank you for joining us. Indeed, you know. So Packer was asking, when putting a D-series head, what are the best improvements to be had? Widening the port floor, raising the roof, digging into the bowl, increasing the port volume. All of the above, but the biggest, the biggest gain is where the valve meets the seat. On every D-series of mine, I have significantly increased the cross-sectional area of the seat. So I've gone as big as four millimeters, um, where I even intersected the seats. Um, my NA setups, I've done three millimeters. The biggest opportunity is definitely in the seat and then also in the bowl. So opening that up is a good, and then the entry itself, because, oh man, the D-series entry is so small. Um, my port volume was ridiculous on all of my Ds, so it's something that you can definitely benefit from. The B16 and D16, bottom end-wise, and how much they can ingest is the same, but the reason why the B16 makes so much power factory is because of the port. If you can get a D-series to flow close to B16, you can make B-series power. Remember. 724 wheel horsepower um, at 40 PSI on a D, and on my all-motor setup, I made 230 plus wheel horsepower. So you can do that with a D. It all has to do with the head. And also using components that complement it, like camshafts, valve chain, all that good stuff. No need to reinvent the wheel. If you ever need help, just write to us and we can help you out. No problem, no? So a good auto trams to put a 2JZGE, a power glide. <laughs> That'd be a good one to go. Two-speed, very robust, cost-effective, adductor plates exist, and you don't have to worry about breaking those, you know? Thank you so much, SoCal Dotson. Hello, Honda Pro Parts. Good seeing you. Thank you so much, Hunter. You're so kind. I appreciate the kind words, you know? Um, TH400 is cool. Powerglide is way more robust. I know it's a lot of work. Definitely, Sam, you're absolutely correct, you know? Um, what do I consider a shop? Tuner shop, fabrication shop, manufacturing shop? A little combination of, of all three. If I had to sum it up, I'll just say an R&D facility because I don't tend to do any production here. I don't tend to do only tuning or only fabrication with my team and Sam and Marvin. Um, it, more of a think tank that has to do with cars. So I'd say R&D is really the best way to, to approach that. And we do a lot of background stuff with the OEMs, which helps tremendously, you know? 
So that would be a good way to do that. One point six Miata, Mitchell Carr says, to deliver to me, it's a garage kept, so don't worry about rust or anything. You're so kind. Well, wait, because I have so much going on. After SEMA's over, I have a list of dyno tuning people this big that have to get out of the way, this Caterham to finish, um, 997 car to come in, um, a Boosted Del Sol, an NSX, um, a Twin Turbo 996, and I gotta get to my wagon. No, my wagon, my Insight, sorry. Gotta get to my Insight as well, you know. I have a bad signal. Guys, let me know if my signal is still bad. I'm so sorry. I'm missing so many of these. Um, any parts available from the CRZ from you? Yes, I have rods, pistons, sleeving surfaces, camshafts, valve train, um, intake heat shielding gaskets, oil, clutches, LSD. And I think that's it. That's what I have for the CRV so far. It's pretty nice, you know? So let's see. Kevin, I, I think I like Luke's stuff. I like Luke. I like his stuff, you know? Sounds good. My pleasure indeed, you know? We're going to get her done for a D-series. Akmal, you can do quite a few places. Um, Four Piston can help you. SB Machine can help you. Portflow can help you. There are quite a few places that can help you, you know? Uh, how could you swap a different subframe from one car to another? Front-wheel drive, wishbone roofs. Um, reinforcement of the frame in the rear. You can definitely do that. Um, if you look at the two beams that typically exist in front-wheel drive setups, you have to reinforce that, and you can adapt it by welding on plates and having threads in there. And then you can make it happen, you know? And everything, yeah, everything we just bolt on very nicely. We've done it once before, and we're doing a pseudo something like that as we speak. And did I just say that? <laughs> my pleasure, Anna. My pleasure. Hello, Nicholas. Good seeing you. How are you? Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Appreciate the kind words. You are very, very kind. And guys, it's, it's crazy. Like I said, it's, it's bananas. Forgive the mess back here. It's going to be like this. I look at it. I have a gearbox here from a Porsche. I have engine here, another engine there, gearbox there, wheels, tires, boxes. You don't want to see what's going on over here. It's absolutely quite crazy, you know? Oh, thank you so much, honey, Van. Thank you so much. I appreciate the kind words that uh, the signal is actually very good. That, that helps me quite a bit, you know? Um, so, Thriller Gorilla Picker says, is it worth upgrading a stock F20 to an aftermarket 70 millimeter? Any gains? So, the biggest gains in the intake manifold of the F20, I assume you're seeing F20C, is in the intake manifold itself. It flows well, but it does have some restrictions. So, if there's some way to keep that general shape and extra hone it, there's some gains there. Um, there are no huge gains in going to a 70. A 68 is okay. Going from a stock to 70, you see some gains, but from 68 to 70, I've not seen any gains based on my research on the F20C engine. So I hope that helps. Okay, so, oh, you're making 600. That is dope! Thank you so much, Alfie. So Alfie picked up some cams, some beast motor cams for the J30, and he's making 600 wheel horsepower. That must be a fun. What chassis is in Alfie? I'm very, very curious, you know? So, what do you recommend on a B16 is what our friend is saying to be all motor. So, definitely, if you want to, it depends on your budget, to be honest with you, but if you had a magic wand and you had the capability of doing some great stuff, ITBs, head porting, some BCMO level 3.5 camshafts, um, some uh, Tron pistons, and if your budget allows, a big bore sleeve block, if your budget allows. And of course, you have to tune that properly, so I'll put that together with AM Infinity, and do something with flex fuel, and that would be a pretty nice screamer with a proper header on the exhaust, on the exhaust manifold. That would be really, really good, you know. Torque SX10 asks, how do I get to start into tuning? He's been doing a lot of reading, but I haven't had much time actually tuning recommendations where to start. I can tell you, Torque, mine started years ago when I had my CRX. I used to drag race quite a bit. I was an avid drag racer, almost insane. Did everything from street racing to racing at uh, Terminal Island. Raceway, going to Palmdale when that was still open as well, doing some stuff at Pomona. And I had a very bad experience of tuners blowing up my engines. So my setup was very simple, straightforward, carbureted D-series. And the car run well, I go to tuner, and next thing I know, my engine is smoking. I'm like, what did they do? So I got tired of that and said, it can't be too difficult. So I started reading books. I read the Honda Performance Handbook, started reading books on Makunis, which is the Makuni manual, which is what I had on my car, Mikuni side drafts. I bought a hall meter, old school. For those of you from back in the day, you know what a hall meter is. It's a narrow band sensor that's connected to this one device that looks like a cigarette box that had 
30 demarcations. And it had red for lean, um, yellow for stoichiometry, and green for rich. And I knew that through racing, that when I'm three to four bars into rich on the, on the gauge, that my car made the most power. So I started with my own car tuning. And then as I kept experimenting, getting better at it, understanding and reading plugs, I had the opportunity to start tuning my friends' cars. And then I bought my own dyno and then kept tuning my, even my competitors' cars at the racetrack because they're like, BC, your cars run so well. I'm not the drag racer that pulls my head off at the track and pulls all kind of stuff. Literally, when I drag race, I prep my car two weeks ahead of time, park it, tow to the track, race. After each run, park. Talk to people, put fuel in, race again, park. My cars are always reliable, and it had to do a lot with the components I chose and definitely the tuning. So when people saw that as piece of who tuned your car, well, I do, I started having even my own competitors come to me to tune, and that's how I started. Now, one thing that helped me tremendously, even though a lot of my experimentation came from my own cars figuring things out, I did end up, even as I became a seasoned tuner, took tuning classes at AEM and also took classes with EFI 101, Ben Strader's class, and that helped me tremendously as well. So even as a seasoned tuner or a novice, taking the EFI 101 class helps tremendously, and I would recommend that to anyone who would listen, you know? Thank you so much, Warwick Photo. Thank you so much for watching the Netflix series. Thank you for the sleeper. I'm sorry I couldn't put on a big, better show. That van back there has no traction, but... With this clutch, what this is going in, I'm going to solve that. That's going to be my, how should I say, revenge vehicle for that. And you can look forward to seeing us um, in season three of that show. It's pretty exciting, you know? Is the CRV worth modding? Yes, it is, especially if it's all-wheel drive, by all means, you know? So B20 bottom end, that's cool, but you know those sleeves are not very strong. Kevin. <laughs> Four-door, dang, an 05 Accord with a C-Series. That must be, I'm a J-Series, sorry, that's J-Series. J-Series, that must be really, really fun. Wow, that is so cool, you know? 996 says he has a C4. He's been waiting to sell it and take 20 grand and build a Civic Integra. Interesting. You feel weird. Don't feel weird. Um, I've dabbled in Porsches since 2007. And fast forward to today, I'm literally building a Civic Wagon. Wife and I were talking yesterday, and I'm thinking about building an Integra as well. So that being said, don't feel bad. It's, it's, it's. Here's the thing. We talked about this last week. Do what makes you happy. Honestly, do what makes you happy. It's your life. It's your world. You can sell your C4, even though those are wide bodies. Those are so cool, depending on what year you have. Do what you want. Do what makes you happy. You only live once. Enjoy it. Don't care about what anyone thinks. So what? If people say, oh, how dare you do that? So what? It's your choice. See this shirt I'm wearing? I love twin cams. People I did this because people made fun of me for having a D-series. I didn't care, but I won races. I have over 100 trophies in my office. And that came from doing what I love, staying with the single cam. I didn't care. People made fun of me. People talked crap to me. People flamed me. People said I'm cheating. I've been accused of everything in the book. But you know what? Net-net, I was happy doing it. When I went to Porsches, people challenging me then too. Do what's best for you. You have one life. Enjoy it. I have never built a vintage Beetle, Steve. I have never done that, you know. <laughs> and I'm a drifter. I like drifting now, but um, it's going to, I have so much on my hands. It's going to take a while, you know. Uh, limits horsepower and torque odysseys built six-speed with all-wheel drive adhesion. Um, that would have been the ultimate solution for that, is all-wheel drive, but with the budget we have from Honda, we couldn't do that. And I enjoyed the challenge of a front-wheel drive, but I did pay for it in that show, you know? I really did. Thank you so much, Sense Cubes. Thank you, I appreciate the kind words, you know? Um, so, Sense Cubes plans for a 2.5 Subi engine. I went to Subi Fest this weekend. It was really cool to see enthusiasts and the amount of enthusiasts there. Subaru guys are pretty hardcore. At this time, I haven't looked into building any Subi engines, only because I don't have a relationship with Subaru yet. When I do, I'll be more than happy to, you know? Today, I drove the Dodge 3500 pickup truck diesel today. Because I've been running around picking up parts, dropping up stuff, mounting <laughs> tires, 1552 wheels and tow tires. Um, in the back of the truck right now, um, I have some tubing for brake lines. So um, it's been pretty crazy. It's been crazy. So let's say he's an aspiring mechanic and hopes to start his own shop. That's really good. 
except for the rotary and other conditions, a good cheap car to build for high horsepower. Good cheap. There's no good cheap. <laughs> you know, you know what they say, right? They say fast, reliable, and also um, uh, cheap. You can only choose two: fast, reliable, cheap. If it's cheap and fast, it won't be reliable. If it's cheap and reliable, it won't be fast. And if it's reliable and fast, it won't be cheap. So, what would be a good opportunity if someone wants to have a lot of fun on a budget um, without crazy fabrication? I was going to say an LS-powered Miata, <laughs> but I would say, how about an FC with a LS? That would be pretty cost-effective, and can give you some decent power. I think that would be pretty cool. Have I made a build for half-mile racing? Do I think it's very different than quarter-mile? Honestly, SoCal, I have not made a specific one designed for it, but yes, it can be different quite a bit. Um, many times we set up quarter-mile cars to finish off in the final gear at the high RPM at peak power across the stripe. If I took my Insight, which is optimized with four gears for drag racing, to a half-mile from a quarter-mile, I will run out of gear half that distance. So what I would do if I want to make that insight more half mile friendly, I'd do a little bit of arrow changes because things tend to multiply very rapidly when you go up in speed. I would also change my gearing significantly. Instead of a high numerical final drive, I'll go with a lower numerical high final drive to allow me to have more high RPM potential. And then my cooling system will definitely be addressed differently because right now I run a cooling system which comprises of a very small radiator, one out of a go-kart. And that barely allows me to do okay in a quarter mile, especially if someone wants to burn me down the line. So I do okay. But if I took that for half a mile, it won't be enough. So I'll have to do that. And um, I did, if you look at my intake, I have this crazy scoop of intake, which was modeled using CFD software, courtesy of my friends at KNN. They have great high, I should say, high capability software there. So with this modeling, we optimized it for quarter mile. Things may change if I have to take that to, you know, from 150, 152 to closer to 200 as you get to the half mile. So things will change. It'll be quite different, actually. And I wouldn't run standard slicks. I get tires that are much more robust for high RPM activity or high speed activity, which slicks sometimes get kind of hot. You see some problems happen in Texas because people are running regular drag strips, you know? So. Zizi says he got a tune from Stratified giving him pops and crackles on his 14 Fiesta. Should I be worried about excessive wear? And what should I do to keep my engine safe other than changing the oil? So it depends. If it's popping and crackling on Excel, you need to give them a call. If it happens on D-Cell, that could just be fuel cut on D-Cell, which helps with engine braking, which is not a problem. Proper plugs, using good oil like Purell, that's the way to go. And you should be good. But if it's happening when you tip into it, that is a bit of a challenge. So, Kevin, the Hyundai Genesis Coupe, I did half mile with that, but that was a car that was primarily built for Hyundai as a proof of concept. If anything, it was probably set up better for road racing, but I took it for half mile and got that to 187, which if you go on the BC Moto YouTube channel, which is in my link in the bio, and for those of you on YouTube, you can just do a search for BC Moto Genesis, you will see a run with me doing that mile an hour next to me with a doubting Thomas, someone from the media who didn't believe. He, I told him that we hit over 180 in the Hyundai. He's like, bull crap. Well, he actually said, bullshit. And I said, why don't you grab a helmet and ride with me? He said, okay. And we went there. And the scary thing about the Genesis is I didn't have much arrow. I just had a carbon fiber wing that had a slight upwards movement, almost like a slight ducktail, not a proper wing. And what happened was when you get to about, I think, fifth to sixth gear, you start feeling the tail end coming around and then it's the end of the half mile. Man, that was scary. If we had a little bit more distance and I had to float, I would have lost that car. I would have crashed that thing, you know. So, Freeman is asking, is Eagle Rods and Ross Racing Pistons a good combo for B18 low compression? Ross Racing Pistons, so what? Ooh, Freeman, that would be great if we were in 2001. Um, I'll suggest something. Eagle Rods, awesome. But please consider Trom. And you can go up with a higher compression even if you are on regular gasoline, unless you're running some weird fuel like kerosene or something weird like that. But Freeman, by all means, if you need help, I can pass on my discount to you. Um, send me a PM here, and I'll help you out with some pistons from Trump. 
I love their stuff. That's why I run in that Porsche. I run in, I'm going to run that in the Mercedes right there. I have it in the Porsche right here. I'm putting the Wago van that I'm building right now. It's, it's, it's my personal choice. So you can have a lot of time with that, a lot of good time with that. Very reliable time. Those guys are absolutely amazing. I did a Tech Tuesday there maybe two, two Tech Tuesdays ago. Take a look at my archives and you'll see it, you know. Thank you so much, Dula. That's a very good. You need to influence the youth to make sure that they do the right thing, by all means, you know. What's skipping like an old laser disc? Ha! Old laser disc, that's funny. I will drive Odyssey. No. <laughs> Colin, I drove um, a Dodge 3500 diesel turbo today, you know. Uh, let's see. Thank you so much. Is it worth buying a 96 turbo over a C4S if you intend to do? Yes, it is. Absolutely, because the one Achilles heel of the C4S will be the drivetrain. So, especially with the earlier years, I would um, really consider the 996 Turbo. You can push the factory engine to 700 without qualm. The gearbox is quite robust, can handle 1,000. Um, the axles are robust. It's just, it's just a really, it's, and it's not super invasive to improve the cooling capability for the turbochargers aka intercoolers on the 996 turbos versus the C4S, which have to do something very creative with um, liquid cooling. In, in other words, liquid to air. So AJ, yes, a 996 turbo will be the way to go. And I keep saying that it is the most underrated supercar, very cost effective and offers a lot for the money today, which is amazing, you know? Thank you so much. Uh, DA would be pretty cool. DA would be pretty cool. I, I, thank you, Angle Angle, absolutely do what we want. A GSR would be dope. But you know what? I like DAs. These are pretty cool. I grew up with DAs. These are pretty, pretty nice to do, you know? I'd be more than happy to help you, Torque. My pleasure indeed. Um, no, not yet, Kevin. If you help me, Kevin, it'll start running. How about that, you know? Um, yes, I did, Tax Freed. I did. Tax Freed said I got trash on the Netflix show. Yes, I did. For two major reasons. I have a 1,000 horsepower front-wheel drive car on street tires, and the other competitors, two of them in particular, ran slicks. So, of course I did. But you know what? That has come to pass. No more trashing now. I have this dope clutch right here. I have big brakes. And what I'm building that will be available next week will make this minivan look like a stock one when I'm done. Thank you so much, 996. Appreciate the kind words. Okay. Best four-cylinder suggestion swap for a Datsun station wagon. To keep it in the Datsun vein, I would say, uh, how about an SR20 DET? That's very easy to put in for space constraints. If you're great at fabrication and you're hardcore, why don't you just throw in like a, an old school Skyline engine? That'd be the way to go. <laughs> That'd be good, but I do like the, the, I do like the four bangers. Um, I would say SR20 would be very nice, you know? <laughs> Thank you so much, Alex, you're too kind. He said this hat I'm wearing is perfect for 3500. Yep, old school rip, like an old school little hat there, you know? So, Gareth is asking, what project was I thinking about fitting the Quaif unit? I posted pictures a few days ago. Sorry if it's been answered. No problem. The Quaif is, you can't see it, but it's behind the Porsche, and it's going in my wagon van. It's going in the Odyssey. No, Odyssey. Wagon. Civic wagon. Fast, reliable, and expensive is <laughs> the way to go. Yes, you have to choose two, you know? Oh, my God. I know, right? Uh, All-wheel drive inside with 1200 SF22 would be great. Um, what gearbox, you know what I would have to do is probably an, ooh, you know what would be dope? An H to B, like the H to B kit we have, with an F22, with a Quave sequential, made it to an all-wheel drive setup for a B. Oh, that would be so dope. Hey, Shell, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much, you know. Oh, I'd probably do 300. <laughs> You're so funny, AJ. You know. So, Genesis went to one of my customers. Um, Honda, not Honda, but Hyundai discontinued the BK platform, so there's no need for us to have it. We can promote with it anymore. So, I kept the engine for research purposes and the rolling chassis. I pretty much gave away for little or nothing to one of my customers. Um, the 96 Turbo, I had a customer who walked in here and offered me something for it that I couldn't refuse. So, she went. I missed the car, though. That's the one I posted today, you know? So Arnie Sokal is asking, if I don't mind, how do I get to work with manufacturers? I was approached. So years ago, um, I would say as far back as 2010, I got a call from John Yoshinaga from Honda. They've always known me, as many of you have known me, as someone who thinks out of the box and always 
creates things that typically don't exist. I'm not afraid of the unknown, so I've had the opportunity to do crazy things with, which we just mentioned now, the F-22A. My F-22A, my CRX that finally made its way into an insight, was my proof of concept that I can take an engine that has no aftermarket support, with my partners design components that are unique to that power plant, and take an engine from 130, 120, 130 horsepower to over 400 naturally aspirated. So it's a proof of concept that I don't need to have support from other people, from other companies, to be able to create something amazing. Honda took notice, approached me in 2010 to build the new CRX replacement, which is a CRZ. CRZ is still here. We got the 533 horsepower. And after that on display, and the amount of crazy attention it got from everything from CNET to USA Today to Honda's website, manufacturers just kept coming left and right. So we got to work with Toyota, did a lot of stuff with Ford, did quite a bit with Hyundai, and so on and so forth. So I started with one manufacturer that gave me a chance based upon my crazy experimentation mindset, you know? Thank you so much. Yeah, Tuesday next week should be pretty cool. I'll be in Vegas at the SEMA show. And for those of you who will be attending, please do not miss two key booths. Momo, Italy, their booth, which I'll have a Porsche there and all is beautiful glory, something really exciting. And also the AEM induction cannon filtration booth. You will see the Wagga Van version 2 in that booth, which is pretty exciting with tons of stuff. So, and for those of you who can attend, I'll give plenty of coverage. It should be really, really good. Hello, composite bodies. Good afternoon. Good seeing you. Is 13.5 compression too much for 93 B-series? Absolutely not. The one key thing, B20 hatch, about static compression is that you can cheat it by lowering your dynamic compression by using very aggressive camshafts. So I have run 14 to 1 on the street, but I use a very, very large camshaft so that my dynamic compression was low. And by all means, if you have 93 or access to E85, even better. I can tell you one thing. When you go up in static compression, your tuning window gets much narrower you won't be able to get away with much uh, ignition timing. You won't need that much ignition in advance, especially in high RPMs. And pre-VTEC as well, be very, very low, you know? Single turbo versus twin turbo, pros and cons is what gd 3 asks. So, today is a very interesting world in the environment of turbocharging. Advancements in compressor and turbine Wheel aerodynamics have advanced so much. It's been very, very forward-thinking recently. So back in the day, in not too decent past, twin turbos were a lot more efficient than a single turbo. You can get a lot more spool capability and efficiency in two smaller turbos than one single. That has changed because we've had advances in turbo technology, so it's not as bad. But let's say all things being equal, you can have a very nice spool capability, cool aesthetics, and a hip factor being twin turbo than single. But here are some of the setbacks of twin turbos. Complexity. You have now twice the oiling systems, twice the draining systems, and you have two turbos to worry about, especially with cooling them and make sure things are proper. So complexity is one. Two cost. You have to buy two turbos as opposed to one. If you have wastegates, ideally you should have two wastegates. Even if they're internally gated, you have two controllers, or better yet, two actuators. So there's complexity in the twin turbos. But all things being equal, it can be more efficient than a single. But today, advancements from turbonex, advancements from precision, you can have single turbos that are very pretty advanced. So I'm experimenting right now, and Sam, if you're still here, he can attest to that. I'm experimenting with two different platforms in terms of the turbo setup, single and a twin, on the same chassis, on the same engine. And we're going to see, with today's technology, which is more efficient. It should be pretty exciting. Give me about six or seven months to get that information to you. You know. Good afternoon, Zephyr. Good seeing you. Seeing you. Ignition is way high. Twenty to cry. How bad is this? This idle is at fourteen hundred. What application is this composite? Is this on the thirteen to one? And it depends. There's so many things that go into ignition timing. If you don't have a knock sensor, that would tell you everything. The knock is like a knock sensor. It's like a glorified microphone. This is something that you bolt onto the block. I did it closer to the top of the block. And it gives you the opportunity, especially when aim infinity, to see how noisy your engine is. And you could be able to tell engine noise from knock. That would tell you what's ideal. Not by guessing. 20 could be high for one engine, depending on the shape of the piston and shape of the combustion chamber. And definitely not high at all for another engine. So it depends. It's better to tune it and give the engine what it wants. 
What is the best compression to run safely for B16 Turbo? We'd love to know more about the products. Also has a DA integral. That's pretty cool. So I love DAs. It depends on camshaft, turbo size, and access to fuel. A good rule of thumb, what I've seen a lot of my customers do with B16s and B18s nowadays is 10, 10 and a half to 1. And they have a happy, happy compromise between using pump fuel at lower boost with a decent-sized turbo. When I say decent-sized turbo, I'm talking about 57, 58-millimeter turbos as big as 64s. And then having a flex fuel opportunity where ED5 gives them that wider tuning window, which is very nice. You know? Fuel is a key component to that and also a tuning solution. Please stay away from those systems that don't allow you to have good knock control. Knock is everything. OEMs use it on stock engines. You should, too, on your high-performance engines. It allows you opportunity to, especially if your tuner is worth his or her salt, to keep a closed-loop function where if the engine experiences knock, the ECU automatically add fuel and retard timing to keep the engine safe. And if your engine system, management system is very good, you can do it per cylinder. Because number three cylinder is always the hottest cylinder, at least in the inline four engines that we, we play around with. Think about it. The firing order of an internal combustion engine four cylinder, typically a Honda, Toyota, Nissan, wherever the case may be, is one, three, four, two. So number one cylinder fires, number three cylinder fires, four fires, which is right next to three, and then two fires right next to three again. Three never has a chance to cool down. So what does that mean? That is the typically most knock sensitive cylinder. On many of my tunes, I add a good 1% to 2% of fuel in that cylinder alone. I retard timing most of the time in that cylinder alone when I can, if the engine management solution allows me to do that. That helps with longevity. So when you are having some high-octane opportunities and where knock sensitivity is key, that number three cylinder is very important in inline fours. And if you have an engine management solution, please use it to your advantage. Don't turn off the knock and throw it away. Use it as a glorified microphone that it is to help keep your engine safe. Reliability is everything. You can build the best, most powerful car in the world. If it's not reliable, it's rubbish. Absolute rubbish, you know? Thank you so much, DJ. Thank you for the kind word. I appreciate that. Appreciate it indeed. Um, wow, some good, some good interaction here. Can anyone go to SEMA Analog Rich? Unfortunately, it's an in-industry show only. On Friday evening when the show ends, there is this pretty cool opportunity where there's a SEMA parade where you see cars drive out and you can view that. Some people access that from the road. Some people pay 20 bucks and sit down and get good seats. But if you have a contact with someone in industry, by all means, it's an industry only and someone with a shop who has access who's a SEMA member can get you in. But apart from that, the only option you have is Friday evening during the parade at the end of this show. Thank you, Arnie. Appreciate the kind words. E85 is the way to go, by all means, you know? I can't go to WCUF this year, Red. Um, Barry from Trom told me about how awesome that event is, and I would like to go next year planning properly to still build cool SEMA cars, including that Mercedes back there, have it transport to SEMA and back, but me taking a car to the World Cup Finals would be great. So don't be surprised if you see me next year with a car back east. And hopefully it doesn't snow. That would be so sad, you know? That would be really sad. So, guys, oh my God, oh. So, guys, it's a slice of heaven spend time with you. Time is up. I went longer than I thought. And I need to get back to work with the team. I have two cars to build which are still in paint. I'm terrified. Please pray for me. It's going to be bananas for the next few days. Sam, if you're still here, I need you at night. Let's get some things going. And team, I will keep you posted with what I can on our progress. I look forward to seeing all of you next week when I'm at SEMA and give you a nice tour. I'll be probably streaming every day while at SEMA, but Tech Tuesday will be a special one, live and direct from Las Vegas, Nevada. See you next week. Take care. Cheers.